Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to have children go to children's church. I remembered this time. The last time I didn't remember at all. But this time I remembered. Children, if you can go um, hear the word in your language, that would be great. <laughs> Before I start, I'm going to pray. Uh, everything is done through prayer. Um, any success, anything that you will ever do, it's due to prayer. So I'm going to just pray real quickly for today's word. Dear Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit as you did with Stephen in Scripture, speak through me, guide my words, that you will be glorified. Lord, we soften our hearts to hear what you have to tell us today. I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a little selfless plug. As you heard or read, if you read Pastor Rob's letter, I am the pastoral intern and so I have started a ministry, uh, the plumb line, that's geared towards young professionals. And it's kind of vague for a reason, because young people, sometimes they're single, sometimes they get married and hang out with singles. There's all kinds of stuff going on here, but we're reaching young people. But we call it the plumb line. And the reason that we call it the plumb line is that in scripture it talks about the plumb line. God builds things on the plumb line. And I, I usually show them this. It's a straight and it points. And a lot of times we build our lives. And there's a lot of us in this room that we said, hey listen, we built a house. It's kind of crooked. We've missed some places because we did not have the plumb line of Christ in our lives. We've had mistakes in our marriages, or we've had mistakes in our careers. We've had mistakes in our college or educational process. We've made mistakes. And so what I want you to do is understand the reason that we have the plumb line is to point you to the foundation that is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the plumb line, to build lives. And that's why we created the plumb line, in order for people to see and know that there's a there is a God that you can build your life on and you will be blessed beyond your imagination. So today, as, you, as he told you also there, I, on Tuesday nights I've been going through the Beatitudes. I started in Matthew 5 and I've gone through several of these, but I went through every Beatitude and I thought it would be easy. To be honest, I've really thought, hey, this is real easy stuff. It's Jesus is what he taught. And then, bam, <laughs> what Jesus teaches is not easy. It is not easy. So I want us to go to Matthew 5, 38 through 42. And if you will stand with me, we will start with the reading of God's scripture. Reading of God's word. Matthew 5, 38 through 42. And this is going to be really hard. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other also. 
And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You may be seated. I want to kind of set this up, give you some context and background because these are hard words. You're like, the first question I ask is, resist evil? You tell me to always resist evil. An eye for an eye, that makes sense. But Christ came and changed that, didn't he? Wait, there's a lot of questions going on here. You want me to go two miles? Wait, every beggar out on the street you want me to give to? There's some liars out there. So we're going to look at this and we're going to take it around and give you some context. Here Jesus, for the first time, is teaching. He just got baptized. He said, follow me, follow me. And his disciples decided to follow him. And he's up on the mountain. He's up on this hill. And guess who's sitting at his feet? His disciples, because we're like, yeah, yeah, woo. We're right at his feet. We think we're special. We're feeling good. But he's just starting his ministry. And so I want to start with the Beatitudes just to hit them real fast to give you context for all the rest of what we're talking about. And one of the things that changed me was as Christ is telling me how he is going to disciple the disciples and the Beatitudes. I was blown away as I began to study this. As you know, most of you know, blessed is like this Greek word called makarios. It means blessed, means happy or joyous. So God's kind of saying, do you want to be happy? Do you want that plumb line? Do you want to build your life on happiness and joy? Here's how you do it. And the first thing it says is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Essentially, it's saying, recognize your depravity. You are a sinner. For the kingdom of heaven. You will get to see the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. So once we recognize our depravity, now we mourn in our brokenness. We are broken and need a God. But here's the good news, Christ says. You will be comforted. I guarantee you're going to be comforted. He said you will. Once we are comforted, And have come to this, then we become meek. We humble ourselves to God. We are meek. And as we are humbled before God, God begins to raise us up. We shall inherit the earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We talked about that and sung about that. We hunger and thirst for God's word. You begin to want to read more. You begin to want to share the Share things and learn things. You're you're desiring it. Guess what? He says you will be satisfied. Happy are those that are merciful. You want to know why you're happy? Because we give to give, right? We've received mercy. Now we give that mercy as much as we can. What an amazing story of God discipling his disciples right here in the Beatitudes. Happy are the pure in heart. Now God is taking your heart and he's transforming it and purifying it. 
You are adopted. And it says because you're adopted and God is transforming your heart, you shall see God. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemaker, when I first thought about this, I was like, oh, somebody that comes along and always offers up peace. So we'll broker a deal. Right? No. It's the peace beyond all understanding. Peacemakers bring gospel into people's lives. And when we bring the gospel into people's lives, we become sons of God. People will know you as Christian because you're bringing the gospel. So, that's kind of setting up this whole, hey, listen, we're talking really heavy stuff here about retaliation. How does that work, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You need to understand, next, is that Jesus didn't come to change the law. And it even says this right before this. Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the providence. I've come to, I have come to, not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So here's some more background. Old Testament law, why do we have it? Here's more background. It's taken us all the way back to Genesis. Understanding our depravity. Adam and Eve broke the law. God said, don't eat of this tree. They ate of it. And then brokenness and suffering and vulnerability came into their world. In the garden, there wasn't a lot to worry about. In our world, do we have a lot of vulnerability, right? We have a lot of suffering. It's because of sin and that brokenness in the world. And so even once that happens, because Adam's not paying attention, he lets the snake in the garden, this makes me think, are there areas in my life that are not attended to by the gospel? Think about that a little bit. Because this causes harm. It causes evil into our lives. It brings some evil areas in our lives. And this brings us to the retaliation. I like a better word for this. It's called malevolence. And this means the causing and wanting to cause harm or evil. Malevolence. And we see this right away with Cain and Abel. Malevolence, revenge, striking the brother. Doesn't stop there. Then Lemek comes around and he begins to brag about killing people. John MacArthur and Shakespeare talk about this thing called a pound of flesh. We're out to get the pound of flesh that we deserve. It's interesting how revenge always turns to why me? Why did God not look at my sacrifice? Why me? It 
again, I want you to remember that this is, again, a heart issue. We have malevolence in our heart because of a brokenness in the world. It's a heart issue. We sang a song about God changing our hearts, right? God coming in. We've talked about this. And so I'm building on this because God creates this civil law, an eye for an eye, because our hearts were malevolent and desired the flesh. The law points out our sin and our desire to take more than what is owed. But here's the deal. I want you to remember that God is even good in that. Because even after the garden, right when they sinned, in Genesis 3.15, God announces that the serpent's head will be crushed by the seed of a woman. As the famous saying goes, Sunday's coming, everything points to the cross of Jesus Christ. The gospel. It's coming. So we know a few things here from going back and looking at some background and looking at some contexts. That we know a few things, that we have a heart issue. We know that Christ fulfills the law, he does not change it. But we do know that laws and civil laws point to the brokenness of our hearts, this heart issue, and the brokenness of this world. It points it out. My focus one today for verse 38 is Christ fulfills the law. So you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. On the cross, Christ gave an eye for an eye. And a tooth for a tooth for you. We no longer need to seek an eye for an eye because Christ has already done the work on the cross. The judgment you deserved. I know we don't like to say that we don't, we like to say we don't deserve it, but the sin, the depravity of who you are, Christ died for that. He took, God didn't change the law, an eye for an eye, but now we no longer have to seek an eye for an eye because Christ did it for you. He who knew no sin became sin so that you can know the truth, so that you can know Christ. The law fulfills the, when Christ dies on the cross, it fulfills the requirement of the law, the judgment. This malevolence that we always seek, this extra pound of flesh, you don't have to seek that anymore. Christ died for you. He paid the pound of flesh for you. The law doesn't change your heart. I'm going to tell you right now, we can come up with a bunch of rules. Churches do it all the time. Organizations come up with rules. They don't change a man's heart. Christ changes the problem, and it is our heart. We do not retaliate because of the law. 
because there's some rule that tells us we need to not retaliate. We do this because Christ has done it and we do nothing and God gets all the glory. Christ is the focus. Verses 39 through 41, my focus too is Christ experienced injustice. Christ experienced injustice. So, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you, And take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. I want to remind you that the Romans slapped Christ in the face and said, who slapped you? They mocked him. He received this injustice. It was unjust for God to receive slaps in the face for you. I do remember at the cross when they would roll the dice trying to see who gets what garment of Christ. Christ gave more of his possession for you. Not only Did he do this? But the Romans said, hey, when you go to the places we are going to kill you, you've got to carry your own cross the extra miles. Christ carried a cross for you. He that knew no sin and you that are deprived Christ experienced injustice, you will experience injustice. The Roman soldiers seemed very evil at that time, I would think, as they punched him and slapped him, whipped him. He did not resist them. Because he knew that we are not fighting a battle against flesh and blood, but against darkness and principalities. Christ took your punishment. Christ became undignified. So I think you can become undignified to glorify him. I don't want to make this all just sad God experience of injustice. So I want to remind you of something. Saul on the road... Damascus, right? Jesus came up to him and he said, Hey, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? I want you to understand this. When they mess with you, they mess with Christ. Let me say this again for you. When they mess with you, they mess with Christ. God is glorified 
and in charge. Don't be like Job, complaining, why me? This injustice, why me? Praise God, he is good. Remember, he is good. The last part of this scripture, focus three, Christ gave, so we give. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who borrows from you. I want you to understand, this sounds like another just check mark. You don't give because somebody is homeless on the street. That's not why you give. Why you give is because Christ gave to you. When you see the beggar, you see yourself and you see Christ who gave for you. Remember, in the Beatitudes, poor in spirit, you were once a beggar, poor in spirit. You were once broken by your sin. We received something we did not deserve and we cannot earn. In Matthew 25, 31 through 46 is the sheep and the goats and I'm reminded again that the goats go, well, when? When were you naked or in prison? But also I see the sheep say the same thing. When did we do this? We do this because it's a reflection of a God that gave to us. We receive mercy, so we give mercy. We see Christ everywhere. Not because it's a rule. Not because it's some law. We do it because of Christ. To live as Christ and death is gain in Philippians 1.21. We are called by Christ to reflect his life. Last week, Rob talked about trees and producing fruit. I want to be a tree, but I'm not. Christ is the tree. Christ is the tree. You are a piece of fruit, and if he chooses you to be plucked, you praise God. We rejoice in a God that loves us. Because he did it. You didn't. There's nothing you could do. You can't earn it. But you can sure praise him and live a life that seeks him with all your heart, soul, and might. In conclusion today, I'm going to give another scripture. It's Romans 5, 1 through 5. 
It's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you accept God, you have peace. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. But again, we got this part where there's rules and laws. We're not supposed to take revenge. We're supposed to give. And it says, not now, not only that, but we rejoice in suffering, in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. Ooh, I like that word, character. And character produces hope. Nothing gives me more hope than seeing the character of God when my children reflect it. Gives me hope that God is at work in their hearts. Nothing gives me more hope than seeing a church reflect the characteristics of God. It gives the world hope gives the world peace that passes beyond our understanding. And this hope does not put us to shame. Injustice, it does not put you to shame. You are Christ's. He will lift you up. But God's love has been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Your heart, again, that transforming need that we all need because I seek things, I seek revenge, I do these things and I say, Lord, every day I go, Lord, protect my heart. Circumcise my heart, Lord. I need you. We do because Christ has done and the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts. The good news is Christ has crushed the head of the snake. Christ. And this gospel is true. He's crushed the head of the snake. Live in the gospel. Christ's death and resurrection allows you to live in the spirit. Not because you deserve it or that you earned it. It's a gift from Christ. Living in the spirit, we pray for God's help. Help us, Lord, because Christ was faithful on the cross. Help me to be faithful. I was going over some of this sermon notes with David, and he said this. So I, this is just kind of me just putting some stuff here. But the world tells us all kinds of things. So you've heard it said, Nike says, you just do it, right? We can do it. Just work out harder. Just do this. Christ has already done it. You don't have to do anything. You've heard it said, my truth. We hear a lot of that today, don't we? This is my truth. Christ is truth. Some of my philosophy and just reading background, 
You've heard an individual say, we can be our own strong man, our own gods, create our own morals. That was Nietzsche. I think for I am, Socrates. But we know who is Lord. Christ is Lord. He is our God. He's actually our strong man who died on a cross for us. You've heard it said, the world says it all the time, we need to make sure that we give to the poor, right? Let's, let's give to the poor. The world's not, we've heard this in scripture, the world doesn't give snakes as gifts, right? We give again because Christ gave to us. You've one of the things that I think about when I, when I think of that is I worked at a job and uh, I was a manager there and this young teenager that was part of like, I believe, Church of Christ. And I was like 28 years old or something like that. And he said, you're still a virgin? I said, yeah. And he said, why? Like, why you're not? Why do you keep up with the law? This law, this idea. There's a law there. Yeah, absolutely. I said, but I had nothing to do with that. The reason I saved myself for my wife had nothing to do with me. Christ protected me. And because of my relationship with him, he loved me and cared for me and made sure that I was able to give that gift to my wife. See, Christ gave my wife a gift, not Steve. We like to take credit for a lot of different things. We like to think that we can do a lot of things. But it is Christ that gave to you. You've heard it said, and I've heard this in a lot of churches, that Christ changed the law, it's a new covenant. Law is no longer the law. Christ came to fulfill the law. And in so doing, God's plan to be glorified in salvation through judgment saves you. It's hard to listen to an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Taking injustice, a slap to the face, giving up your cloak. It's hard to listen to that, but I want you to remember that your God did that for you. He was without sin. You were not. He loves you and he's ready to be a part of your life. The praise team's going to come up and sing a song. But as they sing, I want you to think about a few questions. If you need to pray for a change of your heart, You'll be able to come down. There'll be pastors to pray for you.
if you are someone that wants to live in the spirit of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can come down and pray. That's where it starts. Talking and asking our God to help us. If your heart, if you're here for the first time and your heart feels that poor in spirit, you know you need Christ, you can come forward and a pastor will pray with you. You can pray for these things even at your seat. God loves you. Christ died on a cross for you. He's done the work. Trust him. I'm going to pray over this real quick. There's a few prayers that I like to do and pray scripture. I love to read it and pray it. But if you bow your heads with me, I want you to remember this short little prayer. Dear Lord, there is nothing we have done that could make you love us less. And there is nothing we can do that would make you love us more. You are all we need for everlasting joy. As you have been to us, so we will be to others. As we pray, we do so according to the compassion you've shown at the cross and the power you demonstrated through the resurrection. We think to ourselves, Lord, how, how do we do this? I want to remember 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray this to you, Lord. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The most important part, Lord, let's remember this. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. We trust you, Lord. You are a good God. Remind us of where we need our hearts to be transformed for you. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Amen. You'll see. And we'll have if you come forward, it's good. Let's stand.